0: Welcome to Three
1: Yards per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now here's your hosts, Chris, Alf and Simon.
2: Welcome to Three Yards per Carry with me, Simon Clancy, Alfredo Artiaga, and Chris Kaufman. Happy New Year from the three of us here at 3YPC. This show is as always. Brought to you by Price Picks. Use the promo code 3, that's the number 3, yards, to get a $100 match bonus on your $100 deposit. And by Manscaped, get 20% off and free shipping with the code 5, that's the number 5, R-S-N at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscape.com and use the code 5R-S-N. No better way to start 2024. Well, maybe there is. Embarrassing, shocking, shameful, depressing, disgraceful, utterly surprising. No, that wasn't the reaction from Al's family on Christmas morning when they opened Mm. his gifts. More a reflection on Miami muffing it in Maryland on Sunday to the tune of a 37-point beatdown. They were outcoached in all phases of the game. The defense looked like a JV unit. The offense and the head coach specifically, suddenly and inexplicably went away from what was working. We, over the next half an hour or so, will look at what went wrong and why, and how they can turn it around, more importantly, because next up, the resurgent Buffalo Bills. 8-1 and one in the last nine games against Miami, including 3-1 and one at Hard Rock, coming to town on Sunday night in prime time in the final game of the regular season. And now, the favourites to do the unthinkable and win the AFC East. But fear not, over the next half an hour, like I said, Chris and Alf will tell you why everything might just be all right on the night. This, of course, is three, or three yards per carry. Alf, Alf? not christmas alf tell the good people about factor meals
3: well we have a dedicated site factormeals.com forward slash three yards per carry five zero and that's the number three yards per carry five zero and if you use the promo code three yards per carry five zero you get 50 percent off your entire first order
2: so we've had 48 hours or so since uh it all went a bit tits up on Sunday, uh, we've had two really good college semifinals in between. The dust has settled a little bit. I have not clicked on the for you part of Twitter for 48 hours because what's the point? Start with you, Alf. What what went? I mean, we'll get into the weeds of the specifics. And really, I kind of want to focus a little bit on coaching this week. But what went wrong for you in Baltimore on Sunday? I mean, everything went wrong. But specifically, what went wrong?
3: Well, they started the game off when they were healthy. Essentially freelancing on every single route combination. They were doing some of the things that they did against Tennessee, playing cover six, getting off of their man, trying to bait into interceptions. And Lamar Jackson is a former MVP. He is a very good passer. I hope that people saw this game and they could lay all that stuff to waste. He can throw outside the numbers, he can throw inside the numbers, he could throw deep, he could throw. And immediately, if he gets out of the the pocket, he could run for 40, seventy yards on you. Okay, he's a very good quarterback. They played uh, some coverages with a little bit of disrespect. They were kind of pressing, especially Xavier. How- Xavier Howard spent every single snap he stayed on there. All I believe three of them, <laughs> trying to bait for interceptions that on non-existent routes that did not exist. And of course, the pass rush wasn't getting there. Uh, Lamar was getting to a second hitch, second read. And finding people wide open against coverages that were, quite frankly, just poor. And for the better part of a quarter and a half, I saw Jalen Ramsey and Javon Holland arguing about uh, who's dropping farther and who's cutting in and who's driving and who's not. And not doing much of anything else. Uh, It was a poor performance. The, The reason for optimism is that they can't possibly play any worse than they just played in this game. Because if they play like that, and had they played like that for the previous 16 uh, or 15 games, they wouldn't be 11 and five, or whatever the hell they are right now. They would be something like five and 11, okay? So that's the only reason for optimism in the defensive end. On the offensive end, I thought the tape was just not that bad. It all went to hell with the first interception, and then it steadily got worse. But they have a knack for in these games where they're getting absolutely railroaded for just driving up and down the field on the first two drives of the game and just getting whatever they want, and then all hell breaks loose on them in the second half against Buffalo and against the Ravens again. they got to figure that out. Once they get off the script, once they're trailing, it's as if they they just cannot. And I saw CK was talking about this on, on OnlyFans uh, earlier this afternoon. They cannot play in a vacuum, and I don't know why that is. Just stay on your own damn schedule. If you lose by a million, you lose by a million. But at least you won't lose by a billion. But they exacerbate the issue and end up losing by a billion when maybe, who knows, maybe they're a little closer. And then you really can't play, then you really can't blame the defense. And it really isn't the Dolphins' fault because they stayed on schedule and they scored their nice little 27 points. But they didn't manage to do that either.
2: Chris, when we lose these games in big games, it happened against Buffalo early in the season, and it seems to happen with a pattern in games specifically like this that that tends to follow and i know people have joked about it, about the script the nfl script and stuff and it was a very good trailer before the season started but it almost follows a script in terms of what happens the dolphins play small the quarterback kind of struggles we throw sort of wild picks. There are odd play calls. The coach goes away from kind of what's been working, which was perfectly highlighted at the weekend. You know, two great opening drives, lots of screens, lots of tunnel screens, lots and lots of Devon A. Chan. And you thought, you know, he's going to get 350 yards, total yards from scrimmage the way it's going. And then all of a sudden we just completely diversified and did something completely different. We get penalties, we get behind in the game, the defense crumbles, we can't get any pass rush, and it happens time and time and time and time again, more often than not on the road against a big team. Why Why have they not been able to pinpoint what the issues are and how do you go about changing this sort of problem?
1: Well, I think that there's a natural rhythm between um, between the scripted plays and and when you when you now are getting the defense, the now na- you're now getting the defense adjusting to uh, to your scripted plays and adjusting to what you what you're wanting to do. And so there's uh, there's sort of a there's sort of a, a tit for tat move for move uh, rhythm that's happening during the game. The real problem is that, um, and this has happened twice this year, and uh, you know it, it's something that that seems to happen if the defense is getting absolutely boat raced the way that they were, and you know I, I'm talking about uh five of the first six drives, and I'm not I'm I'm, gonna, I'm not going to count one drive. It was a a one play kneel down to end the half, but five of the first six drives that the the Ravens executed. For touchdowns, right, and uh, and and I think that what you see is the Dolphins' offense cannot operate in a vacuum when that is happening. They uh, are not good at, you know, uh, they talk about having a short memory. They talk about you know not paying attention to the scoreboard and stuff like that. Well, they're not good at doing that. Okay, they um, they do try. And uh, and get yard and get yards in chunks and try and try and win the game on one pass and and all the things that you shouldn't do. Um, And this happened against the Buffalo Bills as well. Uh, If you look at if you look at how that drive start or sorry, how that um, that game started, I believe it was four of the first five drives were all touchdowns against the Bills. Um, and, and so, and something, I think the, the bills actually scored on, uh, on eight of the first, you know, eight of the first nine drives of that game, uh, with, um, with, I think something like six of them being touchdowns. I mean, a, so the defense, when it gets absolutely destroyed in stretches, And this is this is really the problem on the air, because I'm going to put that together with the Tennessee Titans game, too. And the way that ended and how the defense for a couple of minutes just couldn't stop a goddamn thing. Right. Um, You know, the defense goes through stretches where they can't stop anything. And I think that the offense has more or less a normal rhythm. Where they they have some success on the strip scripted plays, the defenses start to adjust to some to some of the concepts that Miami are running, and then Miami has to adjust and and so on and so forth so forth. But because the defense is getting boat raced, we have absolutely no margin for error. So when Tua throws an interception, you know the first interception to Roquan Smith, which was a nice play by Roquan, and there are reasons why that happened and it was a bad decision by Tua but there were all ultimately reasons why that happened um one of them being that Roquan made a hell of a play you know when that happens god forbid um it it's it's a you know quote unquote a, a game killer uh because you have no more absolutely no margin for error and so i think more the issue in this case is why is the defense getting absolutely stymied for large stretches of games for big stretches of drives um the way that they are and uh and then why can't the uh the Dolphins offense just play their game in a vacuum um and play the full game all 60 minutes uh instead of instead of trying to get it all back and you know because midway through the third quarter down 22 points you know Tech there is still the odds are Let's be honest, the odds are very much against you at that point, but there is still time to do it. But then you come back after, you know, a fumble, the the Baltimore Ravens fumble it, and Mike McDaniel calls the most basic and aggressive of, you know, NCAA uh, route concepts, and you know, Tua Tua is very in tune with Mike McDaniel. Uh, throws it into the teeth of the defense, into two deep safeties with linebackers. You know, dropping back so deep in their landmarks right off the bat, not even caring about anything toward the line of scrimmage, um, and they're able to drop back like safeties. And Tua is throwing right into it, and and Mike McDaniel is calling right into it the play call went right into it you know and 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 that's uh that's something that that happens when you're feeling the scoreboard pressure and you're making mistakes and i i wonder if it has something to do with you know it's been brought up on OnlyFans and and i think that it's uh it's something worth considering when you look at kyle shanahan's history as a play caller and um you know with his offense in san francisco he's something like oh and when trailing by eight points or more in the fourth quarter, right? Which is astonishing for, for somebody as good as, as Kyle Shanahan. And you wonder if that sort of inability to uh, execute offense, um, you know, to, to have tunnel vision and execute offense uh, is, is somehow being brought with Mike McDaniel to the Miami dolphins. And uh, I think that that's becoming a, uh, a, a more a thing that we're seeing in multiple occasions possibly a, a trend and uh um, and it's unfortunate
2: yeah alf we mentioned last week uh after the win against dallas how mature we felt the coaching performance was by mike mcdaniel and for two drives it felt exactly the same what i I think it'll be interesting for you guys to see Hard Knocks tonight. Uh, we get it two days later in the UK, but it will be interesting to see if there's anything uh, about the game planning or if there's any mic of of McDaniel as the game falls away. What? Why do you think he tends to chase? I don't know. I want to say the spectacular, but it really isn't the spectacular. What? I I'm just really struggling to understand why he went away from everything that works so well on the first two drives and literally never returned to it to it again the rest of the game uh, and suddenly tried to push the ball down the field and as Chris talked about route concepts and those sorts of things and do you think it was because uh, almost like you know we'll get to the defense in the second half of the show but you know Todd Munker was essentially just copying what McDaniel was even to the point of having Lamar become left-handed when he dropped back from the uh, you know on the Zay Flowers touchdown he drops back left-handed as if he's going to throw it lefty like Tua sometimes does as a righty I mean do you Do you sense a bit of immaturity sometimes and almost like whatever he does, I've got to try and do better that or or is it simply that once he gets off the scripted plays, especially in games like this, it just becomes a bit too much for him?
3: I think he's. I think he he talks about his players pressing, and there's evidence in on the film, especially on the defense. But side surely that all.
2: starts with him as well, because he's yes. the man, especially on offense. He's the one that's injecting the plays. It's not. It's not Frank Smith. It is him. He's got his fingerprints all over. So if if the players are pressing, it's because they're pressed into things by the play call. Surely.
3: Yeah, and that's what I was going to get to. Yeah, he talks about his players pressing, but sometimes he's calling stuff that's going to make them press, and he's calling uh, like. Like Chris said on, you know, you get that fumble and now you have a glimmer of hope because with this offense, it's it's realistic to score three touchdowns and a half. Okay? But can this defense hold it down to nothing or maybe a field goal like they did a year before? Okay, One year ago, they were in the exact same spot. They held the Ravens to a field goal in a quarter and a half and they scored four touchdowns to win the game. Okay? Could you have done that? Maybe. Could you have scored three touchdowns? Yes. And forced overtime? Possibly. But you can't when it's it's like a it's like some type of setting of panic happens and it happened on the defensive end and what's what's weird is on the offense you could see them actually like completely get away from what was working and just ah, we're tr- we're trying to get all these points as quickly as possible so we could just play catch up like if as if he was playing Madden and you could score on one play and two play drives put something methodical together and get on the right side of the scoreboard and on time of possession, start changing how the game begins to feel on the defensive end. It seemed as if they had no plan. Uh, I accumulated these numbers and these numbers are out there. Uh, They had them on the broadcast. Although my numbers are slightly different. It's just six yards off. Okay. Six yards off from the broadcast to my numbers, but we sent backside pressures, meaning we were sending a guy on the weak side on a blitz on Lamar five times. Okay, All of this happened in the first quarter. Lamar went four for five for 108 yards. We did it four more times in the second quarter. He went four for four and completed all of them for two touchdowns. He ended up eight for nine for 202 yards and two touchdowns on the same call, defensive call. At one point, at four, four for five for 108 yards, or is that at five for six for 146 yards? Or is it at eight for nine, two hundred and two yards and two touchdowns in the first half? Do you go away from that play call that he's obviously defeating? Well, evidently that was it. Because it took Lamar to go eight for nine for 202 yards and two touchdowns for them to stop calling the same two, four, five backside blitz over and over and over again that he was just absolutely torching. And for those of you who don't understand what I'm talking about, when you send a backside blitz, you have one less defender to the front side. So his front his first read is to the front side. So Lamar is basically reading one guy. All the time, one-on-one. So there's always going to be one guy in his line of sight that's going to be one-on-one on that play. If the Blitz doesn't get home, Lamar has Lamar Jackson has a one-on-one route to throw to on the front side. Guess what? Eight for nine, 202 yards, two touchdowns. At some point, the, there's going to have to be a head to roll, even if, okay, even if they win on Sunday, they go deep in the playoffs. There's been so many of these mistakes all year, especially in coverage, that somebody has to fall on this sword Because you can't blame guys like Xavier Howard or Javon Holland. We know these guys are good players. Uh, There has to be a coaching head to roll on that side of the ball that these guys just can't get these coverages. It's, It's just something has to be done on that side of the ball.
2: Yeah, we'll dig into the defense more specifically after the break. Chris, there's a... There was a point in that in in the game, and you pointed it out to me. You and I were chatting on Sunday as the game was progressing. There was a point in that game where Arthur Malette limped off uh, the field, the the Ravens' corner, and and it meant that the Ravens were in a position where they only had two cornerbacks left: Ronald Darby and Rocky Austin. Everybody else was injured. So Brandon Stevens obviously didn't play. Marlon Humphrey injured himself injured himself on the extra point. Damarian Williams was injured. And they were literally down to Rocky Sin and Ronald Darby. Obviously, Carl Hamilton didn't play. Uh, and they were down to, I think, Darrell Worley went off. And they were down to, I think, Gino Stone and Marcus Williams. So I think they had two safeties, two corners at one point. And yet we couldn't really move the ball with any great alacrity at any point. And it made me wonder, to go back to that game against the 49ers last year when they had Dre Greenlaw and... Um, Aziz Ashaya and Fred Warner, and you look at Sunday with with uh, Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith. Do the Dolphins have a really good off-ball linebacker problem? In terms of mm-hmm. trying to move that offense against really good off-ball linebackers, it's not as easy to do.
1: Yeah, I think that's a. I, I think that's that's worth bringing up. Um, and, and actually, what this reminds me of is the Chargers game last year. Because
2: with Eric recall, Hendricks and Kenneth Murray and you know Drew Tranquil yeah, and, and
1: And recall, recall, if you will, though, in that Chargers game, uh what that secondary was looking like heading into it. You yeah. know, the the Chargers, the Chargers secondary was completely banged up. You know, they were gonna they're gonna be missing some really um some some big names in that secondary. Um and I think that what happens when um when a defense is losing players like that. Is they circle the wagons and they protect those players, right? They put, they protect the players that are on the field. What does that mean for, um, for a team like uh, like Baltimore? Well, you know they're dropping their safeties back, right? They're they're going to drop their safeties back. They're going to protect their players. Um, they're dropping their linebackers back. They're going to drop their linebackers back and protect their uh, their secondary players, right? Uh, and, and so there are opportunities to be had. And I think that, um, you know, let, let's give the dolphins some credit. There was, let's that after that interception that I've the play call, I did not like the one play drive after the fumble where I didn't like the play call. I didn't like the decision by Tua. I think everybody was trying to, you know, overcome a 22 point deficit on one play. Um, you know, the, the defense did force a punt on the next uh, on the next drive from the Ravens, and then the Dolphins did execute a 73 yard drive. and it was a 16 play drive. and they they did take things that the defense was giving was giving them on that play. Let's give them some credit for that. The problem is that I don't think the Dolphins are consistently patient um, on offense when it comes to those situations. Uh, they want to push it deep. They want to push it to uh, to Tyree Kill down the field. And if the defense is circling the wagons for some injured players or some you know or trying to protect um, some newbies out there that uh, that that they can't really trust, then they're going to pull guys back. They're going to pull safeties back. They're going to pull linebackers back. That's what they're going to do. And the Dolphins just seem to way too willing. To fall into the trap of trying to beat it anyway, and um and and I think that we can make we make it easy for them sometimes when that happens, and uh and, and whereas, you know you've got to be more creative um about about figuring out the ways to uh, to leverage those sorts of injury injury situations, and if the answer has to be, you know a lot more a lot more Devon Achan, who is you know turning into a superstar basically as, as much as running backs can be superstars nowadays, um, then, uh, then, you know, so be it. And, um, and I think that this is where Miami is showing that they don't have enough faith in, uh, in the short game. And we've seen that a lot in particular, you know, short yardage situations. Um, they don't have a lot of faith in their short yard short, short game period, even short passing game and short, um, and a run after catch game and, and just the ability to execute play after play 16 play drives without the mistakes that just cost them. And, you know, going back even to the, the scripted plays that you're talking about, how did that second play drive? How did that second drive end though? Right. That second drive was still scripted and was still good concepts and, and, and everything, but it ended with a field goal. And why did it end with a field goal? A mistake. Tyree Hill drops a wide open touchdown. You know and and I think that this is an offense that is too varied in the ways that they make mistakes whether it's a bad snap, a drop uh, a sack which isn't as doesn't happen as much but a sack or a holding penalty or a false start or you know some some sort of way or, or illegal formation or you know some sort of organization issue or delay of game and this is an offense that has a, a real wide, variety of ways in which that they can create they can make mistakes to where those 15 play drives just don't necessarily work and uh and and we pay the price sometimes
2: you are listening to three yards per carry with simon alf and chris as always on thursday we'll have our preview show of the showdown between the dolphins and the bills the final game of the 2023 regular season with the afc east title on the line but first these words
3: Are you a South Florida property owner with an insurance claim? Are you dealing with water, mold, or fire damage to your home or business? Are you having trouble locating a five-star rated general contractor that is fully licensed, certified, and insured? If the answer is yes, then Water Cleanup of Florida is here for you 24 hours a day. With over 60 years of combined experience, Michael, Robert, Jorge, and their team is prepared to handle any size property damage disaster. Five seven nine zero three five six. That's nine five four five seven nine zero three five six. Or visit their website at wcufl.com. You can follow them on Facebook and Instagram. And please check out their more than 80 five five-star reviews on Google and Facebook. Water cleanup of Florida. If you have the schmutz, they have the guts.
1: I'm Jalen Phillips, and you're listening to Three Yards per Carry.
2: Welcome back to 3 Yards Per Carry with me, Simon, Alf, and Chris, brought to you, as always, by Price Picks, by Manscaped, and by Factor Meals. You can join us every day if you'd like. God knows why you would, because we are three of the most curmudgeonly bastards you'll ever come across. That's not true. That's not true. We're lovely people. Um, but you can find us, of course, on our Twitter handle, at 3 Yards Per Carry, but also on OnlyFins, which is an amazing community of like-minded Dolphins fans, and for the price, the massively small price, of $3 per month. I didn't get that wrong. It is $3 dollars per month. Uh, we are there all the time, chatting dolphins, draft stuff, free agency, all sorts of things, uh, with loads of good people. I've touched upon it in the first half of the show, Chris, the defense. Um it was, and you touched upon it as well, that, that there are a couple of things that kind of stood out to me re-watching the film that, that Todd Munkin used a lot of Mike McDaniel's own plays, really. A lot of use of motion against Fangio schemes that you would have expected Vic to have seen day after day in practice. That's a concern. The things that have caught us out this season already, switch releases, for example, just seem to be things that we, would you know, it's almost like we'd never seen it before. Why why do you think we fell for for all of Todd Munkin's kind of window dressing and seem to have no answer for it? I wish
1: I had the answer to that. Uh, I honestly do, Um, because, you know, I don't understand this tendency now, now seeing it a couple of times this season. To come out for stretches of the game and just be able to stop nothing, you know, just not not be able to um, to execute on defense uh, to any degree. I mean, it's clear. It's clear that Todd Munkin, um, you know, used a lot of, as you say, McDaniels concepts against him. Uh, what he also did is he put a bullseye on some players, you know, uh, um, and I think that that's I think there there's maybe a little bit of a. um of a tendency for, uh, Vic Fangio, maybe from the top down to, to not protect his players well enough when it's clear that, you know, there's a bullseye on them. Um, you know, for example, Duke Riley, Duke Riley got beat real bad on that, uh, on that, on that rail. Um, and it got called back on an offensive pass interference, right? And, and you had to, like, you know, wipe your head and wipe your brow and be like, phew, you know, that's we, – we got lucky there because he got beat real bad. Um, it happened again. <laughs> you know, like, it happened again a couple plays later or whatever. Yeah. Uh, the, the exact and, – and so the you exact wonder – The
2: same play, that kind of rail exact, route to Justice Hill, set up by a rub route. First was penalized, yep. wasn't it? Second one, not.
1: Second one, not penalized. And, and it, it makes you – you know, it, it really does make you wonder about the defense's – and you know, getting caught flat-footed, um, and I'm going to bring this up, and I, I don't know if it, it, it's either here nor there, um, but I believe that in a, in a lot of his career, Vic Fangio has been on the sidelines for um, as a defensive coordinator, and you know, clearly Miami, he's up in the booth, so he's a little bit more disconnected from the players, and it just seems like one of those things where you know, when you notice it, when you notice it, the one time. You know, you can talk to your players about it and 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 maybe that's not really happening. And that's maybe maybe part of why we have this situation where um, where the players are getting hit up, you know, drive after drive like Simon, five out of six drives, touchdowns. That's that's Mm. ridiculous. Mm. Um, Maybe part of that is is that I don't know. Maybe it's uh, maybe we have an issue. You know, downstream on the coaching staff, where where some of the some of the assistants underneath Fangio, you know, can't be trusted um, to to maintain that sort of communication with the players and make those sorts of uh, adjustments. Mm-hmm. But um, but they're it, it's a serious flat footed look, um, and it, it, it's a it's an issue because now Miami has to has to win this game, right? They have to win this game against the Buffalo Bills, but they're facing a team and a quarterback that have shown that they can be those guys that do that to the defense. They can be those guys that do that to to Miami's defense, five out of six drives, four out of five drives, whatever. Touchdown after touchdown after touchdown after touchdown. Um, and so now they're, their back's really against the wall. And so we're just going to have to find out.
2: Yeah. Alf, it was – the the concerning thing for me was how basic some of their, their, their touchdowns were. You take the – they – yeah, Chris just talked about it there. We talked about there, that double dipping on those kind of rail routes to Justice Hill that were set up by the sort of the rub routes. The first one, like we said, got penalised. The second one not and was for a touchdown. But you go back to look at those two tight end block and release concepts that Munkin ran. He just ran it with different personnel. One went to Isaiah Likely. The other went to the fullback. One was under centre. The other one was under shotgun. was out the shotgun. But both were, were absolutely wide open touchdowns. And it was Basic, basic stuff, and and Munken seemed to have, like Chris mentioned, a target on a couple of players' back. Duke Riley was one of them. Eli Apple was another. The concern for me is just how basic the mistakes were. How does how do you fix that, knowing that you've got Gabe Davis and James Cook and Stephon Diggs and. And the rookie tight end, and of obviously Josh Allen coming to town. How do you get that fixed and, and straightened without Xavier Howard, who isn't going to play on Sunday, without Bradley Chubb, who's obviously the devastating ACL injury, you know, and knowing that we're trying to get to the quarterback now with Andrew Van Ginkel, who's obviously had a very good year, but with Cam Good, who I don't think has a career sack, with Melvin Ingram, who two weeks ago was sat on the sofa, and Emmanuel Ogba who wasn't good enough to to even be on the active roster, even though he was healthy last week. How? How do we pull this around in seven days to to beat the Buffalo Bills?
3: Well, the easy answer is to play more man, but uh, the, the... but that's not going to happen, is it?
2: <laughs> that's, he's just never done that, and he never. I don't think he ever will do.
3: Well, uh, I, I hope that it's it's time that they 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 drop some of the stupidity because there is a play, okay. And I'm going to show this. I'm going to show this on OnlyFans. I'm going to put it in in the film study this week, and I'm going to highlight it for all to see it. It's the it's the most hilarious defensive rep you're going to see the Dolphins play, maybe in all time. They're in quarters coverage, okay, and the Ravens have a near trips formation, okay? So that means that at the snap, nobody in Miami has decided to change the coverage at all, okay? (laughs) So they're going to stay in quarters coverage, and when the ball is snapped, the Ravens run a flood concept to the play side, and we're still in quarters to the field side, and you have Deshaun Elliott and Jalen Ramsey covering the most beautiful 30 yards of green grass you've ever seen. The only problem was that there were no Ravens in it. So you had Deshaun Elliott and Jalen Ramsey, essentially guarding nobody while these guys just sent four guys out into the route against three defenders. Naturally, what did they do? They dump off the justice Hill nine yard gain first down. And that was on on third and six. Okay. Uh, some of the stuff that they did was just dumb. Okay, uh, those wheel routes or rail routes—what do you want to call them—with uh, with Justice Hill, they teach that. They teach that trail technique because the safety has to get up over the top. Um, if you if you're not gonna, you know, if you if you're gonna trail the play and get beat on one, and you already know you got beat on one, maybe change the technique on it and flatten out or switch it. Okay, Bruce, and if you, you flatten out, at- you give up the flat, and you have two tacklers right there for the guy. This is basics that you learn this stuff in high school, Simon.
2: But you look no. at that play; those two plays specifically. We went so we went single high post snap the first time, okay. So the Deshaun Elliott drops down into the box on the first one, the one that gets called back. But we were pre snap for the second one. We were single high, and and Lamar can it, it lining up already knows that he has a touchdown as long as they don't get called in the rub route because of what happened the first play. Do you know what I mean? In terms of mm-hmm. you know, and actually, when you watch the tape, Javon takes three or four steps to the to his left, right to his right, and the play goes to the left. And it, you know, even when he's under center, just calling the uh, you know the numbers and the the hot heart he knows he's got a touchdown because of how we how we played it before. It's so basic. It's that's the worrying thing for me. I think.
3: Yeah, and there's counters for all that stuff. Uh, you got beat for the first time. Okay, you play it over. Or you switch it. Uh, there's it's very simple. You play for the flat. It's simple numbers, okay? You have one wide receiver over there, and then you have Justice Hill running the, the wheel, okay? If you run trail, then the safety has to come over. So you have to use three defenders for two guys. If you go over, you can use two defenders for two guys. If they throw the flat, you have two tacklers for one guy and one wide receiver. Those are good numbers. If you trail, you're devoting three defenders for two guys in the route. This is simple stuff. This is stuff that you get on the sideline and you adjust right there on the spot. And you change it to go over, on on those, uh, or you switch it. You could either either one. It's fine, but what is not fine is do the same thing, devote another safety over the top, especially when you saw this happen to you. Like you got filmed from this from the commanders game, where uh, who was it? Wasn't Gibson? It was um, it was uh, 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 it was Samuel, right? Uh, they're very quick wide receiver that they play in the backfield. What was his name? Yeah. Sure Curtis time. Samuel. Curtis Samuel. You saw Curtis Samuel run this against you against Jerome Baker when Jerome Baker got hurt. And you used the same technique and you devoted the same three defenders for two players. And sure enough, quarterback, any quarterback of any quality can throw that ball, much less Lamar Jackson, who's an M- a former MVP. Okay. So, but like, what do you need? You need what? Zach Wilson back there to not complete that pass? Change yeah. the technique on it. Make the adjustment on the sideline. These are simple, simple adjustments. Simple Chris, adjustments.
2: Chris, hope springs eternal. We obviously are unhappy and disappointed and more not not so much by the defeat actually I thought we'd lose anyway I think the nature of the defeat is the thing that's shocked the three of us to you know um and it's been a pretty depressing 48 hours basically but hope does bring eternal what what can we take away before we get to the preview and we kind of put this behind us and we kind of focus in on buffalo on on, on sunday what what can we leave the the listeners with that, that that's going to make everybody in dolphins and kind of feel like okay we go again. We take a deep breath, and you know we are in this. We do have a chance. What what can you what hope can you give the listeners?
1: Well, you know, I, I think that it's the way that Miami has bounced back a little bit this season, and I realize that we're not talking about the greatest of opponent slate of opponents, but you know, the four losses that Miami has taken, you know, four of the losses that Miami has taken this season when they turned around and played another game that you know either the next week or after the bye or whatever. They won all four games. Um, and it's not just the fact that they won the four games, it's that I think in in multiple phases they played just generally much cleaner games. Um, they got things back under control. I think that there's definitely indications that that this coaching staff, you know, can can get hold of the players after a real embarrassment. I mean, the fact of the matter is the Bills did this to us earlier in the year, right? I mean, they—it th- was—it was, it was a carbon copy of this game, really. Um, absolute, just butt whooping, and uh, and everything that happened on defense happened in that game as well. And you know, the the offense was the same thing. It could have moved the ball. It did move the ball. It did score points, but you know, fell victim to uh to to being influenced by the scoreboard. Everything that happened, it already happened before with uh with that Bills game. But you know what happened after that, right? I mean, the season didn't end in week four this year, right? Uh, I don't think. <laughs> um, you know, they took that loss. Uh, they went on, rattled off, you know, a, a number of other wins on the season. They won, They they rattled off eight more wins uh, through the year. So if that's if, that's what I would take from it, is you know, hey, the Dolphins are playing at home in this game. They're going to play, you know, maybe a home game, hopefully a home game in the playoffs um, if they can uh, if they can beat the uh, the Bills. Um, so this is a team that uh, a head coach quarterback com- combo that is 12 and one at home. So that's going to matter. And the fact that they they tend to get things turned around this year. I think that that's that's the hope they don't get they don't get boat race like this on defense two games in a row. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, you know, so be it. But you know, this hasn't happened like two weeks in a row with Vic Fangio's defense. And I think that that's something to take solace in. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully they're able to bounce back the way they have four times already this year. Um, and, and you know, put put things like this behind them.
2: Um, Let's get to our uh, hate balls very quickly before we get out of here. Uh, Chris, where's your first, where's your hate ball going this week?
1: Uh, I I hate them all, but, um, no, I I think that, uh, it's it's because I talked him up so much as Duke Riley and how the job that he was doing in, uh, replacing Jerome Baker. Um, you know, I, I like Duke as a player and, and maybe this is not all his fault. Maybe this is unfair, but come on, man. I mean, this was, this was a terrible game. He was having a good uh, run replacing Jerome Baker and now Jerome Baker can't come back fast enough. That's the reality of it. And that's the kind of game that he had.
2: Uh, Yeah. But before I get to that,
3: before I get to that, uh, my reasons for optimism, I didn't get around to asking me, I think it's the offense is going to be as healthy as it can be or has been in weeks. Uh, so you you rely on that. And then there's this thing called uh, the Ewing theory where for short periods of time, very short periods of time, usually a game or two, when replacing a star player like a Bradley Chubb, you can get a little small boost in that area. I think there's no way that this coaching staff on defense, they have some really capable people that they could just be depensed two weeks in a row like this. Uh, Buffalo has shown that in close games, things things tend to not go their way. So if that's the case, I do expect them to to pull it out. But that's pretty much my only room for optimism. Is they are on at home, so and they're pretty good at home. My hate hey, ball, uh, Duke Riley put on the worst performance of any linebacker, maybe any defender in a Dolphin uniform all year. But I'll give a second one. Javon Holland was completely non-existent, out of place, and making mistakes all over the place. And in yeah. his and in his hit today on WQAM, he's. He, kind of alluded to it that he was messing up a lot out there as far as calling defenses with guys. And it seemed like Jalen Ramsey was giving it to him, which is a good thing because uh, we don't have enough of that on, on defense. We need guys to be a little bit more vocal and call people out, even our best players, even the guys with Cs on their chest, like Javon Holland. You know, Call them out when they're not doing their job or they're doing it poorly. Uh, so Javon Holland gets my second one.
2: Quick question for you two before I give you mine. Um, the draft's coming up. Javon Holland uh will enter his final season with the Dolphins and will expect to get paid. Uh obviously four years because he was a second round pick rather than the fifth. Um do you pay him or do you draft someone like Cameron Kitchens?
3: I saw Ken Kitchens play for four years. He's not better than Javon Holland. <laughs> I'll just say that. But,
2: uh, but you don't need to I'm not you don't necessarily need better. Per se, you, uh, because you're looking at the, the the financial balancing act that the Dolphins are going to yeah. have to go through already 40 million right. over the cap. And, you know, the problem with the Bradley Chubb injury is that now you're almost going to have to pay Andrew Van Ginkle. Mm. Um, because Bradley Chubb is probably not going to be ready by the start of the, you know, then there's a decision on Emmanuel Logber. If you know that both these guys are coming back from serious injury and, you know, you know it takes a while to get going once you come back off an Achilles or an ACL. Do you know what I mean? I'm just, you yeah, know, there's Wilkins and there's Tour and there's Waddle and there's Phillips once paying. And
3: Connor I'll, I'll, say, I'll say this, safety shouldn't be too expensive, but I'm paying Wilkins and drafting an edge player way before I'm, I'm even considering paying big money to a safety. So... Okay. Uh, my priority has changed after watching the last few weeks, especially watching – you can watch that Raven game. Uh, we lost 56-19. to 19. Uh, Kristen Wilkins lost somewhere like 28-24, something like that. I'm paying Kristen Wilkins above all else once the yeah, season ends.
2: Interesting watching Braylon Trice again last night for Washington, who does remind me a little bit of Jalen Phillips in terms of his pursuit and his relentlessness and um, heavy-handedness. Um, yeah you can't have too many defensive ends or edge rushers and you certainly can't have too many cornerbacks as evidenced by uh, the performance on Sunday. My hate balls actually just go to the two coaches. I thought Vic Fangio was the worst game that he's called in a long time. Uh, And for Mike McDaniel, it just felt like we fell back to the week we did it, tennessee after a mature coaching performance last week i just thought it was poor and it was poor having bradley chubb in the game at that point you know uh, you're down by 30 points bradley chubb did, you in the his, game.
3: did you hear his did you hear his explanation over it yeah
2: i did and i just i, I just it's thought it's infuriating it yeah it really is infuriating if i had a time machine i'd go back and change it well you had the fucking chance to change it he shouldn't be he says that, the,
3: that the, the, the sudden change of the turnover on offense because uh, the brooks fumble He had taken out everybody on offense. They were going to get around to taking everybody out on defense. No, no. You take them out as soon as the drive starts.
2: He's already lost Jalen Phillips. You know, you've got the guy. uh, And, you know, it's not hyperbole to say that he has been our, you know, I think he's been our defensive MVP this year. Yeah, at the end
3: of the year, they're going to have that, that team banquet where they give out all the trophies. They always give out the defensive player of the year trophy for the Dolphins. It's either him or Wilkins.
2: Yeah, I think Wilkins, Sealer have both been amazing. I think Ramsey has obviously had a, a monster impact. I think David Long's had a great season. But to, to me what Chubb has done, you know, I just thought was phenomenal. And in many respects, actually, the and Chris and I were just talking about it just before we uh before the Zoom. We if you obviously you wouldn't know this, listeners, but the Zoom ended and we restarted and what we were waiting for after joining, Chris and I were just saying how depressing it was on Sunday and you know, trying to kind of get back to family life and normal life on New Year's Eve, knowing that we just a had the beatdown. It wasn't even the beatdown; it was the fact that that we'd lost Bradley Chubb, which was just compounded it so much because you just think, "Oh God," you know, how do you get pressure now in the playoffs when you know you're gonna face Josh Allen, you're gonna face Patrick Mahomes, you're gonna face Lamar Jackson, and these guys, you know, Phillips and Chubb just brought so much to the party. But I think that was the kind of the the just the cherry on the shit pie. Um, but for me, Fangio and McDaniel take my. My hate balls, that is it for this week. Uh, we hope we've uh, we've tried to give you a little bit of solace and a little bit of reason to be cheerful, and we will certainly do that on Thursday. When we preview the final game of the regular season, not just the Miami Dolphins' final game of the regular season, but mm. the final game of the regular season, is going to be an absolute classic, I'm sure, under the lights at Hard Rock Stadium. The place will be rocking as we welcome the Buffalo Bills, who I think Vegas have as two-and-a-half-point favourites to win the game, to win the AFC East, which would send Miami to Kansas City. In the wild card, which is uh, not ideal, but, you know, and and look, for reasons to be cheerful, and and I know what, you know, you guys and I have talked about this, but, you know, you get in the tournament and, you know, I don't fancy Jacksonville very much, I don't fancy Indianapolis very much, you know, I don't fancy Pittsburgh very much, you end up with one of those, you know, you get if you get Kansas City at home, all of a sudden you find yourself in the AFC Championship game. Yes, you know what I mean. It's not you know this
3: game is this game is essentially the season. This game
2: is huge. It's huge because the, the, there is an element to me that thinks that if we if we don't win on Sunday, I think the Dallas game A is the highlight of our season, and B is probably the last game that we win this season. And I think if we do win on Sunday, you, you could almost see us in the AFC Championship. It's that you know, the balance is that fine. Mm -hmm. You kind of want to avoid Cleveland because their defense is outstanding. And that, that, that
3: there's a path, a realistic path where Buffalo, can you imagine this where Buffalo gets in as the sixth seed and they play the Ravens, take the Ravens out and and we stay home throughout the playoffs as we host the bills in the AFC championship
2: game. That would be, and, and the Ravens would not want to face the bill because the, the, the the browns and the browns are locked into their position the chiefs are locked into their positions um it, the afc south is really interesting that game on saturday night we fascinating i you know the the texans aren't necessarily a team i'd want to face the browns definitely i wouldn't want to face the ravens i don't want to face the bills you don't want to face but everybody else you kind of think
3: yeah think about if, it we, if you win this game on sunday and you're the 2 seed okay and you don't draw the bills the bills could be going to arrowhead the bills could take out the chiefs and your second round opponent can be the Cleveland Browns I'd and Joe Flacco.
2: The, I'd rather face the Chiefs. Really? Many I don't know.
3: Mahomes always scares me. Mahomes that, with with five guys off the off the street scare me.
2: That defense is so good with Garrett and the linebacker direction. and Usu is playing brilliant, but that secondary, those three corners of Martin Emerson, who I loved coming out and has been sensational. Um, the kid they took fifth overall, whose name completely escapes me, the skinny corner, who's been absolutely brilliant, and um, the—I uh, mean, it's one o'clock in the morning. I can't think of anybody's name, quite frankly. But those three corners are outstanding. Um, that would worry me quite a lot. And there's just something about Joe Flacco that just—you know—well, he never it, loses in the playoffs. No, but there is a—but—but
1: but, but I think that this this game is kind of instructive. And think about the two the two teams that have really just walloped us this year, uh the Bills and the Ravens, you know, two quarterbacks that can get on a heater, mm. you know? And and if that's what I'm fearing, then no, I don't want to play Pat Mahomes. Yeah. You
2: know? Yeah. Martin Emerson, Greg Newsom, and Denzel Ward. They're the three yes. uh, with Newsom in the slot and Ward and, and Emerson outside have been outstanding. So yes, those are reasons to be cheerful, which we will give you on Thursday. Fear not. Uh until then, enjoy this show. Let it soak over you. Get out of your system, enjoy hard knocks as best you can uh, and we will turn our attention to, Thursday night, uh, to um, Sunday night and the Buffalo Bills on Thursday. From Simon, from Alf and from Chris, thank you as always for listening. As I said, Happy New Year. And to the guys that were in Dolphins Twitter spaces on Sunday night, you need to work on your English accents, lads, because it's not very good. See you on Thursday.
1: Thanks for listening to 3 Yards Per carry. You can subscribe via
0: iTunes, on Podbean,